everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. A testimony of your story for His glory. His father would push him toward his dying grandfather, one he had never met, nor had a relationship with, but one in whom would eventually change the course of this 12-year-old's life, when the grandfather's gift of the Bible, a promise, and a destiny would be placed in this young boy's hands, then fearful and wondering. Years later, this same young man would receive the Savior he had tucked away, hidden in the pages of the Bible he never wanted. At age 20, he would become born again, with life anew and a great destiny ahead. Now the founding pastor of an 8,000-member multi-site church with over 60 nationalities and counting Christ Church of New Jersey, this young man has grown to become the author of over 20 books, diversity consultant to the NBA, leading chapel services for the New York Jets, the New York Giants, and even the U.S. Pentagon. Dr. Phil, CBS Evening News, and the 700 Club have all sought his wisdom, as well as his recent appointment as a member of the Governor's Commission on Faith-Based Initiatives. And if this were not enough, ladies and gentlemen, his list of credentials too numerous to mention, perhaps his greatest gift to us all is the gift of his latest great read, Raising a Child Who Prays and how prayer not only revolutionized his own life, but countless thousands in the process. Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome to testimony a wonderful honor indeed, Dr. David D. Ireland. Dr. Ireland, welcome to testimony. Jensen, it's my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to you and your listening audience. Well, it's great to have you, sir. I would like to quote from two widely known and heralded men of God concerning your latest, their endorsement, of your book, and I quote, God uses David Ireland to communicate his word with unusual passion and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Jim Cimbala, author and senior pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, and from Dr. R.T. Kendall, minister of the Westminster Chapel, quote, extraordinary, profound, encouraging. I urge every parent to read it carefully and prayerfully. It will change your life and your child's question, Dr. Ireland, when did prayer significantly change your own life, and how did you develop the passion that you have for prayer today? Well, I've been a Christian for about 35 years, so I came to the Lord when I was 20 years old from an atheistic background, and I became a pastor when I was 24 years old, so I've been at this thing for a little bit now, and I prayed, obviously, as a pastor, and prior to that, as a Christian, but about eight to ten years ago, I had a number of powerful spiritual experiences by way of spiritual dreams from God. And the short of it is this, that the Lord was telling me, don't be a man who prays, become a man of prayer. And that changed my life. It changed my orientation. I made prayer to become one of the staples in my relationship with God. And so I always tell people, if prayer is not your first love, make it your first discipline. And so I had to make prayer then one of the strong disciplines in my life, and then out of that it became my love. And I love talking to the Lord. And I started to write about 
my own journey in prayer, and as a consequence, this book comes, Raising a Child Who Prays. And so it's really talking about my own journey and looking back and saying, here's what I would do and what I did with my children, but here's what I would tell parents to do with theirs if they want to raise a child that indeed knows how to pray. Amen and amen. Now, you've also written two other books I noted, The Kneeling Warrior and The Weapon of Prayer. Dr. Ireland, how can prayer be a weapon for children and adults? And can you give some examples from your latest great read in your own life? Uh, Absolutely. And I know it may sound like an oxymoron when you think about prayer and it being a weapon, But a weapon is anything that you can use to overcome, over outwit, or overpower an opponent. And we have this dreaded adversary, Satan, and we have to outwit him and overpower him, and we do so by calling on the name of the Lord for his help. I look at Samuel, for example, in the scripture when he was just a boy. And he had to learn how, learn the voice of God. And when he heard the voice of God, then learning how to talk to God, he gains wisdom so that he understands and understood then how to deal with difficulties, even how to deal with Eli, and how to be able to connect with Eli and talk with Eli in a respectful way, but yet uh, know how to maintain his own spiritual decorum so that he's honoring the Lord and not dishonoring God like Eli's mentor did. And so that's that's one of the things I always instruct people about prayer. But you know, and another answer to your question is this. It was a May of 2015, I was actually in South Korea at a leadership conference. And during one of the evening sessions after teaching, I was exhausted, but there was an, a, a room that they designated as a prayer room. And so I would go to that room that one night, and I just figured, I said, maybe I'll spend an hour, maybe half an hour here and pray. So it was around 11 o'clock that night. When I walked through the door, I heard people crying out to God in prayer. And I heard one person say, God, give me Egypt as an inheritance. Another person cried, God, give me Indonesia. Another said, God, give me Pakistan. And when I'm hearing these nations, and I'm hearing the cry of people that was, you can see that their hearts are broken before God as they're sobbing. When I followed the direction of the voice, it was little kids, eight years old, ten years old, laying prostrate on the floor, crying out before a holy God and asking God for those nations. And so I, I, I realized right away that children, they have this spiritual, unique spiritual drive and craving, and if they're mentored and trained and taught, they know their way around the holy courts of God. And so I realized that, and so I, and so I started to talk about that journey in the book as well. Wow, and I did read that. I was so impressed by that. Uh, Suffer not the little children to come unto me, the Lord says, because of their innocence. How much does sin in one's life affect one's prayers, or does it? It does affect one's prayers in a big-time way. I think, first, I think sin separates us from God. And when we maintain a lifestyle of sinfulness, then our prayers are hindered. And I would say most people don't want to pray when they're living in sinfulness. But first, John 1, verse 9 is very comforting, because therein we see that if we confess our sins before God... He's faithful and just to forgive us of all of them and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So the kindness of God is overwhelming. But I also say that when we're sinning, we don't have a God conscience or a God consciousness, an awareness of not only the nearness of God, but awareness of God's great love that makes us say, I love God so much so that I don't want to become someone steeped in sin. Amen and amen. And if one repents, Dr. Ireland, isn't that really the solution? God gives grace if we'll just admit that we've sinned, 
come clean, and His mercies are fresh each morning. Absolutely. In fact, uh, as, as you mentioned, His mercies are new every morning. And when we think about the grandness of God, He says, as far as the east is from the west, so will He separate us from our sins. And so, you know, most individuals, they, they get to the place where sin clogs, so to speak, their spiritual pores, and, and repentance is a way that you can just not only refresh your soul, but to, a way to get your spiritual senses attuned again with heaven and with the God's courtroom. So I always encourage people to do that. But I found that it's not even the issue of sin, sometimes it's just the issue of discouragement. Discouragement at times fills people's hearts and makes them not want to pray. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always then let people know that discouragement is one of Satan's biggest and greatest weapons that he uses to thwart the people of God. And when you mentioned before about prayer and it being a weapon, when Jesus told Peter in Luke's Gospel that Satan is, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan is desired to sift you or ask permission to sift you as wheat. In other words, shake up your life so that the essence of who you are as a man, as an apostle, as a Christ follower will fall to the wayside. But then Jesus said, but I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith doesn't fail. Therein we see that prayer is indeed a weapon, and we see that God's concerned about all those little things in our lives, even the area where we may feel as if we don't have full objectivity. At that time, Peter didn't know that his life was being shaken up. He thought it was just normal what he was going through. But Jesus brought a spiritual perspective to him that helped him get sober, so that uh, he knew that Jesus then used the weapon of prayer, and he, Peter, can use that as well. When you became a Christian at age 20, what was the key for you to developing a relationship with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit? And how do you share that with your congregation and children and parents today? The only way I was able to do that, and I still do that today, is time with God. Uh, I can have knowledge of God by reading the Bible, but spending time with God through prayer, through personal worship, through journaling, through those kinds of spiritual disciplines, I then grow fond, I grow closer, I grow in connectedness, I grow in communion with God. And so I encourage people that you can't avoid this, and you can't delegate this. I can delegate a lot of things, but I can't delegate intimacy with God the same way I can't delegate intimacy with my wife. You know, it has to be, I have to spend the time in order to be able to grow closer to that person, and the same way God expects me to walk with him, for me to be able to understand him. Right, that's an excellent answer to that question. Dr. Ireland, what does it mean to pray without ceasing? I think a lot of parents and teenagers and children, they feel, I don't have the time to pray. How can I do this just as if it were part of me? What do you say to that person? It's an ongoing fellowship. It's, For example, it's like sending an email to someone. I may send an email to you, and we and you responded to me that same day, then I respond to you, but because you're doing some other things, you didn't get a chance to respond back to me, but we still have the conversation open. And I think that uh, pray without ceasing is much like that. It doesn't mean to have 24 hours a day, seven days a week prayer. What it does mean is to have this open communication with God the Father, where it's, there's no hindrance between us and God. There's no blockage, no roadblocks, whether because of sin, whether because of distraction, whether because of lack of prioritization. So if I spend, for example, an hour today in prayer, or half an hour in prayer, and then I still, throughout the course of the day, I may say things to God, but it's not a in a focused way where when I say focus, I'm saying that I'm I'm not working, but I'm talking to God the Father, then it's okay. 
that's still the same thing. The conversation's connected. Uh, I give you this example, Jensine. It's like my wife. If I send a text message to my wife today, it, you know, when I'm at work and she may be at home, it keeps the relationship alive and fresh. She knows then while I'm at work, she's still on my mind. So therefore, my connectedness with her is still peaked or still you know, high and accentuated. Likewise, when I maintain that prayerfulness with God, God knows that he's still on my heart, on my mind, and my relationship with him maintains that freshness and that sense of connectedness. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to founder and lead pastor of Christ Church, New Jersey, an 8,000-member multi-site congregation with over 60 nationalities and counting, a church that is helping heal hearts, change lives, and empower for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Dr. David D. Ireland, author of his latest best-selling, Raising a Child Who Prays. You can learn more about Dr. Ireland's work, ministry, and mission by visiting davidireland.org and get his book, Your Children and You Will Be Glad You Did. Dr. Ireland, it has been an absolute honor speaking with you today, too short for sure, on a subject that is often neglected and for all the wrong reasons. Your book, Raising a Child Who Prays, beautifully outlines the steps we all need to push on to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus and leave a legacy for our children that will last for eternity. We thank you and God bless you. Oh, it's my pleasure, Jensine. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensine Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensinebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensine Bard. Thank you for listening. And please join us again for Testimony.